priest said, I just wanted to get you something to play with. And I was like, that's great. That's all I want. I don't care what else I get as long as I have something to play with. And so I hope you got something to play with as we uh, wrapped up Christmas. And I, I think my most favorite part of Christmas, as weird as it sounds, is about 20 minutes after it's all over with. Uh, it's always been my favorite part of Christmas. Even as a kid, I remember the the excitement and the buildup and the you know the 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 you know screams. Sometimes, hope your kids are screamers when they get something that they want. You know, there's nothing worse than giving a teenager something they've asked for all year and they go, "Oh, yeah, thanks." And you just want to smack them, right? But a kid, like they get really excited and they get really all into it. I love that moment and I love the the unexpected. You know, the Red Rider BB gun that's stuck behind the desk. You know, what's that present over there? And then you pull that out. And I love all that. But once all that's over with. In about 20 minutes, it normally takes about 20 minutes for uh, the living room to get cleaned back up or maybe some things to be put back together. Kids are normally off doing their thing, playing with whatever they've got. Adults are either, uh, most of the adults are either cleaning up or they're trying to organize or they're trying to cook. Uh, and then there's this, this, this quietness that's in the house. Unless you've got a really loud Christmas toy for your kid. And it's really loud, but maybe it's back in the other room. But in the living room, there's just this stillness that's there. And I love that moment. I always take a second in that minute just to kind of look around, just to kind of do some thinking and think about uh, Christmas, think about what Christmas really means, think about my family, and I think about uh, what God has done in the life of our family over the year. Uh, the tree looks a little different in that moment. The living room looks a little different in that moment. And Christmas is over. And so what we're going to talk about today is what do we do after Christmas? We've been looking at unwrapping Christmas. We've talked about the necessity of Christmas. We looked at Malachi. We looked at the book of Micah a couple of weeks ago. We looked at John the Baptist and his message of why John had to come before Jesus came. Uh, we talked about why Jesus had to be born in the first place and how... Uh, last week we talked about his wrappings, right? Remember we talked about being wrapped in swaddling clothes, wrapped in burial clothes, and wrapped in a golden cloth in, uh, in Revelation. And so uh, this morning what I want to talk about is this, this few moments after Christmas and what that really is and what that means. We've got uh, two days left in 2019, if you count, don't count today, uh, you got tomorrow and Tuesday. Uh, and so normally this time of year we're talking about resolutions, right? We're talking about end of year reflections. We're talking about what we're going to do next year. We're going to make a budget. We're going to join the gym. We're going to, uh, we're going to eat right. We're going to do all that stuff. So I'm just telling you right now, you got two days to eat whatever you want to eat uh, before all that starts. Because all of us end up saying, on January the 1st, I'm going to start this, right? And we never say, I'll just go ahead and start it now. No, we're going to, we're going to wait until we, uh, listen, i got four boxes of Christmas tree cakes in my house that have to be eaten between now and Wednesday. And so they're going to get hammered on over the next couple of days. I cannot wait to put the hurt on them. And so we've got these things that we're just saying, well, we'll wait until then to do. We'll wait until it's all said and done. And we'll finally uh, get to doing all this stuff. But this one, what I want us to do this year, maybe above any other year, is I want us to be a little bit more thankful for these last couple of days, I want, us to, uh, I want us to be more reflective in these last few days. And I want us to be aware of not only our spiritual blessings, but our physical blessings as well. That we would just take a little bit of an inventory over the next few days and begin to kind of see what all God is doing and what he has done in our life and what he could potentially do in this next year. We've just experienced this incredible celebration of God's presence on earth, right? We've just worked all the way through and unwrapped the necessities and all that kind of stuff. Now, what better way moving forward 
than, than to get into 2020 with this humble gratitude and this acute awareness of God's blessing. So if you've got your Bible, let's go to John chapter 1. We're going to be in just the three verses in John chapter 1. And this is after all the stuff that you think that we're going to read, right? John chapter 1, verse 1, you guys know this, starts with, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? We love that passage of Scripture. We preach that passage of Scripture on a regular basis because that is talking about the, the co-eternal nature of God and who Jesus is and how He's been there from the very beginning. We fast forward down through verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. That is what we just celebrated. That is Christmas. That's the message of Christmas. And that's where most of us normally just stop. If we're going to read just a few verses out of John 1, we go from John 1, uh, 1 to 1, 14. Because it's incredible. It's fantastic. And I would say if you don't read anything, this has always been my passage of, of, of thought when it comes to this. If, you're, if you have fallen out of the habit of reading scripture, if you've not read scripture in a long time, and maybe that is your New Year's resolution, start with the book of John. The book of John is so easy to read, but it's so deep. It's got so much good stuff in it, and it hits you right in the mouth as soon as you start reading with the, in the beginning was the word. But if you stop at verse 14, then you miss this thought of after Christmas, because in 14 is the word became flesh, which is Christmas. But in 15, if you keep reading, after Christmas is about grace. John 1.15 says this, John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Don't you love that statement? That's a great passage of scripture. Very well written. He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. This is John the Apostle writing about John the Baptist. Now, we know John's message from about three or four weeks ago when we looked at that. His whole message was, repent, for the kingdom of God is near, right? And he went around and told all those people that. And, and, and what he said through this is this incredibly insightful perspective in John 1.15. He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before See, John understood one essential truth, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, that, that he was not the star of the show, right? The whole thing was not about John. John knew that from the beginning. He knew that he was not the, the, the be-all, end-all. He knew that he was not the promised Messiah. People asked him over and over, if you keep reading in John, it says people got to get around him and say, are you Elijah? He says, no. He says, are you a prophet? He said, no, I'm not. Like, I am not the person that you guys have been waiting for. If you flip over, you don't have to do this now, but in John chapter 3, there's a really neat little passage of scripture where he, he tells the whole crowd around him, said, you yourselves know that I have said that I am not the Christ. Like he's trying to prove his point. You guys know that I've said that. I'm not him. But in John 3.30, he says this incredible statement that summarizes everything of John's life. He says this. I think it's on the screen. He must increase. I must decrease. Isn't that great? Your, your version of scripture may say, he must become greater, I must become less. Church, think about this past year, this 2019 year. Think about all the things that has happened. Has this year been more about your increase or his increase? Has it been more about your happiness, your fulfillment, your enjoyment, your pleasure, your vacation, your debt reduction, your, uh, your schedule, your plans, or has it... Your wants and desires taking a backseat to his wants and desires. Have they decreased so that he can increase? 
Have you invested in what really matters most? Have you prayed with your wife? Have you taught your kids? Have you led your family? Have you served others? Have you, listen, have you sacrificed something that you wanted so that someone else could benefit? Have you increased or has he increased? Listen, have you had one, one gospel-centered conversation where you shared your faith and hopes that someone that you were telling would respond and get saved? Have you had one conversation this year? Because listen, if you haven't, then what are we doing? What are we doing here? If, if we're not sharing our faith, if, if our life is more about us and our own comfort than it is about reaching the lost with the gospel, then, then why are we even having church? Because the church is not about our personal satisfaction and our personal comfort. It's about reaching the lost with the gospel that has changed our life. If the baby changes everything and it's changed everything about you, then why are you not telling other people about it? Because if you've not had one gospel-centered conversation, then you've missed the whole point of unwrapping Christmas from the very beginning. It's not about us. We must decrease. He must increase. Our focus has to change. Our desires have to change. We have to understand what John understood when he says, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he is before me. See, John understood it. He knew that Jesus was more important. He taught that Jesus was more important. And most importantly, he lived as though Jesus was more important. As he surpassed you this year. I know a lot of you think, well, I get it. This is the end of your sermon. This is time we've got to set our resolutions. This is where we're going to say, okay, uh, this is my spiritual New Year's resolution, right? That's not what I'm asking you to do. The golden question is, how can you do it? How can you begin to live where he is increasing and you are decreasing, where, where the one who has come after us, who has surpassed us because he has been before us? How can we really do that? Let's keep reading. John chapter 1, verse 16. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. This, this is really simple. This is, sometimes when I preach, it's hard to preach. Sometimes when I preach, it's really easy. This just kind of preaches itself. From the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. When we live this way and we have this attitude and we share his love and we point people to him because we live in the fullness of his grace and we enjoy blessing after blessing after blessing. When we really realize this, when we really understand it, and we really connect to all the dots of this one phrase, everything that God has done for us, it's almost impossible for us not to die to ourselves. It's almost impossible for us not to fully embrace this God-centered lifestyle, not to make him the most important thing. Listen, we live in grace. And I know it sounds a little corny and probably a little preachy. It's one of those things that you expect the pastor to say. But listen, we would never forget if a multi-billionaire showed up to your house on Christmas Day and paid off all your credit card debt and paid off your mortgage and put your kids through college and paid off all your medical bills and uh, bought you a new car and gave you a million dollars. 
you would never stop talking about that event. That event would incredibly change the course of your life from that day forward. You would tell everybody you know about that multi-billionaire and about how great he was and about his heart for people and how he loved you for no reason and how he just showed up out of nowhere and changed your whole life. You would, you would promote their brand or whatever it is. If it's a, you know, I was thinking like if it's a celebrity sports player, you know, you'd, be like a, you'd be a Lakers fan for life if LeBron showed up on your front door, right? You would do all those things. But church, has God not done more? More than that for you, and yet we act like it's not that big of a deal. We act like it's something that we just have to cower away from and we don't talk about very often and we don't really live it out and we don't act like like it changed our lives forever. John understood this and he lived this. The sad reality is that we're not living it because the grace that we are living in has become common and ordinary and boring. And in real talk, so has your faith. It's common, it's ordinary, and it's boring. We don't understand the fullness of his grace. We got back in town this past week and uh, you guys know that Lauren and Shelton were here this last week. I had Shelton come up and give you a little quick rundown of things that are going on in Winthrop and in Boston and uh, with Harbor City Church and their involvement there. They flew out this morning and talked to Lynn. Uh, they had to get up at about 2 uh, and drive to the airport and get them on an airplane at 6, and they're Boston-bound. They should probably be there by now. Um, and so uh, I had Shelton and Lauren come over this last week and just kind of visit with Jess and I and just kind of talk about what's going on in their life and, and what's, how God's using them and how uh, God's really doing incredible things through uh, Harbor City, our partner church in Boston, and how uh, and God's spirits are really just moving in people's lives there. It's incredible. And here's what they said. They said the people who they are interacting with are primarily, the, the primary uh, denominational religion there is Catholicism, it's Catholic, okay? And, and they've had multiple conversations with people who say, oh, I, 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 I'm a Christian, I'm Catholic. I'm a Christian, I go to St. Mary's, or I go to this, or I go to that, and they don't quite understand, they don't really connect the dots that, that just because they go to a church doesn't make them Christian, and just because they're Catholic doesn't necessarily make them Christian. And they say, I've, I've grown up in the church my whole life, I've gone to church my whole life, but I've never read the Bible. It's never even been taught. And so they're introducing Jesus and grace and, and what real life and surrender looks like. And it's just blowing people's minds. And here's what, here's what somebody they said to them. that had, They just kind of were in this conversation, this spiritual conversation. And, and they looked at Shelton and Lauren and they said, You guys don't understand how lucky you are that you were born in the Bible Belt. They said, You guys grew up being taught who Noah was and who Abraham was. And what all they did. You don't understand how lucky you are. And I, it kind of the wave of that just kind of hit me. And I think Jessica was someone who said it. She said, yeah, they see it as lucky and we take it for granted. Because church, you know, the, the, the most public spiritual battle that we've faced this year is whether or not we can pray at football games and whether we can have a nativity on the courthouse lawn. That's the most public spiritual battle that we've, we've faced this year. Isn't that incredible? Here's, what, here's what's gone on in Boston this year. In junior high, in the Winthrop Junior High, Winthrop City Junior High, they had to, all the students had to do a mandatory book report. A mandatory book report of a homosexual author who is sharing his experience about coming out. 
Not only did they have to do, read that book and do a book report on it, they brought the author into the school for a mandatory school-wide assembly where that author got on stage in front of all the junior high students at that school and said, quote, you don't know if you're gay or not until you try it. So everyone should experiment with their sexuality to find out whether you are or not. That's what they're facing there. And we're lucky that we're born here. Now, I'm not saying that we have more grace because we're born in the Bible Belt. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we take that grace for granted because we don't really understand the grace that we have been given, one blessing after another. Church, when will we ever wake up and realize that, that this grace that we're living is not something that we can just pacify and that we can just put off to the side and that we can pull it out whenever we need to because whenever we need Jesus, we'll go over here and get him. But when we don't need him, we're just going to act like he doesn't really exist. Grace that we've been given, one blessing after another, we've got to stop taking for granted. Because when we force ourselves to stop and recognize those things, it makes us real small, right? It makes us feel that way. It makes us feel real small in the grand scheme of God's plan and who God is and what He's done. It makes us very humble and very appreciative. It makes us understand, you know, 2019, our, our word for the year. You know, we've talked about this, a, I don't know, it feels like a thousand times, but I keep saying this word over and over again. It's intentional, right? Y'all, you've been around here long enough. Maybe you've heard us say this. Uh, Ephesians 5.15, you've seen that graphic everywhere in our 5.15 verse is, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And do not be foolish of what the Lord wants, but know what the Lord's will is, right? We've, we've taught this, we've preached this, we've taught this over. We've probably hammered that word into your head. Hopefully, when you go home at night, the last thing you think of is intentional. I've got to be intentional because that's the word we've used over and over and over again this whole year. And our every focus of our church all year long, whether it's our Wild Game Festival, our VBS, or our deacons meetings and deacon services, or our outreach events, or our um, goodness, our Boston mission, or our, our in, in just anything that we do here, all has been focused around that word intentional. We have to be intentional with what we're doing. There has to be a purpose behind whatever it is, and that purpose is not to glorify Emmanuel Baptist Church. Our purpose is to glorify God and who He is. And so everything that we've done this year has been forced out of that idea of intentionality and being intentional, being very wise in the world that we live in. And so we've, we, we do this and we've pushed this into you so that you can understand the fullness of his grace. When we live intentionally, we understand that God has done these incredible things, not just for good church people, but for people who need to hear the gospel. People whose lives have been living so anti-gospel that they've got to be confronted with the reality and the truth of who Jesus is. Not in a forceful way, but in a way that's so loving, saying, listen, we want you to share in the fullness of this grace that's living intentional. Next week, next week, it's already... Uh, 2020, next week. Next week, we're going to introduce, I'm going to introduce you to our, our theme, our, our 2020 theme of greater vision. I've already told you uh, what that is and how uh, J- Jesus says in John chapter 14 that if you believe in me, you also do greater things. You will do these things and even greater things than this. We're going to talk about what it means to live with greater vision and do greater things. How can we do that? Well, it starts off with seeing the world as God sees it, seeing people as God sees people. Seeing ministry and opportunities the way God sees ministry and opportunity, greater 
Vision is what we're asking for next year. You don't want to miss next week. Next week we're going to begin to lay the foundation of what greater vision means and how that's going to impact our church and how that's really going to radically uh, change some of our, our, our focus and some of our intentionality. Uh, we're still going to live intentional, uh, but we're going to live intentionally with greater vision. Okay, so we're just going to compile on. Uh, in 2021, God willing, we're going to have something else and we're going to talk about, but that's going to be our focus for next year. I want you to be here next year as we begin to lay that foundation because when we live with the fullness of his grace, we'll begin to understand understand what it means to be intentional. It means to understand to have see things the way God sees them with greater vision. It all plays in together. And so we, we have understood this, this grace. We understand who he is. We understand all this kind of stuff. And, and, and we can live the way he's asked us to live because of the fullness of this grace that we're living in. And then John clarifies, just in case we needed it, who the giver of this grace is. In the very next verse, John 1, 17 says this, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. Right? Just in case you didn't know, Jesus is the one who gives us this grace. Okay? you got to remember who the, the readers of this letter are going to be. When John writes down his gospel, a lot of the people who are going to read this are, are predominantly and very hardcore Jewish people. Right? They, they are, they are kind of coming from the understanding that it doesn't matter what I necessarily, quote-unquote, <clears throat> say doesn't matter really what I do as long as I just check the boxes of the law. And if I keep the law, then I'm good whether I mean it or not. Does that sound familiar? As long as I just go to church, pray a prayer, give a tithe, occasionally show up for Sunday school, it doesn't matter whether I mean it or not, I'm good. And John tells us the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth comes through Jesus, meaning true forgiveness doesn't come from just checking boxes. True relationship doesn't come from just doing the right things. Grace and truth comes from him. You can't earn your way in. You can't manipulate that grace. You can't have the boxes checked and have right relationship. It requires more than just mindless obedience. It requires grace, and grace is given through right relationships. That's it. When grace is given through right relationship, he must increase and I must decrease kind of relationship. It's this idea that he has surpassed me kind of relationship. This is taking Jesus out of the manger and out of the tomb like we talked about last week and making real the grace that he has given us. That's surrender. That's obedience. That's devotion. That's life after Christmas that's lived in awe of Christmas. It's when we recognize that, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and, and how for some reason that Christ loved us even yet when we were yet sinners and still died for us. That he who gave everything made himself humble, obedient to death, even death on a cross did all of that for us. This grace and truth comes through one person, not through you, and not through your own manipulation, but through him and through right relationship with him. Last thought. John tells us that this incredible truth and ties Christmas all together in this last statement, John 1.18. It says, no one's ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Now, some people read this verse and go, oh, see, that's a contradiction in Scripture. Because if you, if you read your Old Testament in Genesis, 
Uh, Jacob wrestles with God and says that he has seen God face to face and his life has been spared. That was Jacob's words. But if you read that passage of scripture, Jacob wrestles with an angel of the Lord, not with God. Well, Moses, remember Moses? Moses in Exodus talked with God face to face as one friend talks to another. And so no one's ever seen God. That's not true. Well, if you keep reading in Exodus chapter 30, God tells Moses that no one can see the face of God. Surely he will die. And that when Moses does get to see God, that he's hiding in a, in a cleft of a rock, right? And God puts his hand over the opening of that, uh, of that hole and God passes by and Moses is able to see the back of God. But he doesn't get to see God's face. He doesn't get to see God. And so when John writes this, this is very true. No one has ever seen God. We can't handle the presence of him face to face. But God the one and only. Your scripture may say God the only begotten. Who's that talking about? It's Jesus, right? Who sits at the Father's side. Jesus has made him known. Now, this passage is very incredible because not only does it talk about how divine and holy God the Father is, but it also talks about God, the one and only. It it sets up Jesus' divinity and says that he is obviously also divine. He is also God as well. And so he, the one and only Jesus, has made him known. So how do you live your life for God? It's very simple. You live in grace and in blessings by doing what Jesus did. He is our example. He has made God known. He has made the things that God requires and the things that God desires known to us. What did Jesus do? Jesus loved. Jesus served. Jesus obeyed. Jesus prayed. Jesus gave thanks. Jesus surrendered. He was humble. He was kind. He touched the untouchable and he loved the unlovable. He did all those things as an example so that we can do it. He did all those things as an example of what real and true and authentic faith looks like. Church, after Christmas this year and into this new year, why would we not want to make our faith as real as it's ever been? Why would we not want to make the most of grace that we've been given? Of, of, we would not want to surrender everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that we hope to be to, to, to Him who is supposed to increase. We who are supposed to decrease. Ephesians 3.20, I got it on the screen because I just want to end with this verse. It's a great verse to end with for the year. Paul puts this in incredible perspective and he says, Now to him who is able to be immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. To him that can do immeasurably more. When we begin to live in this grace, when we begin to live in the understanding of the blessings that we've had, when we begin to live after Christmas with the focus of living out what Christmas really means, to him who's able to do immeasurably more, according, listen, to his power that is at work within us. See, he wants to do immeasurably more through the power at work within us. That we are his vessels, that we are his tools in his hands to do the work that he's asked us to do, to do immeasurably more than we could ever imagine. But he's going to use us to do it. 
In 2020, this is not going to be a passive audience. This cannot be a passive faith. It's, it's got to require action. It's got to require movement. It's got to require us to do whatever God's calling us to do because he's going to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. The power at work within us. It's us that get to be the benefactors of that. Us that get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Us that get to go and minister and share and love and touch and heal and pray for. And we get to witness all of that through the power of God working through us. To him be the glory, I love this, in the church. Not Emmanuel Baptist Church. Not what it says. To him be the glory in Emmanuel Baptist Church. It doesn't say that. Warren, Arkansas, 71671. That's not what it says. I almost gave you Benton's zip code from years ago. It's not the church, this church. It's the universal church. It's us. Who is the church? We are the church. To him be the glory in the church. To him be the glory in us. Forever. Throughout all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. Paul puts this incredible perspective into the end of our year. Where we want so much and we ask for so much. And we're trying to schedule out and we're trying to be so much better. And we're trying to do so much better, God. Paul says, he's able to do immeasurably more all of that. He's able to do incredibly more than you could ever even think of. Through you, if you'll just let him. So... This year, is it going to be a year of your increase or a year of his increase? Is this going to be a year maybe you've done something that you've never done before? You fully just surrendered who God is and what he has for you? Or are you going to continue to try to try to plug away at your wants and your desires? Is this a year that you can say, okay, you have surpassed me. I've given you everything that I have. You are the most important of my wishes and my wants, of my demands and my desires. You are above all of those things. Are you going to surrender this year? Because here's the great part. Unlike our New Year's resolutions that we're waiting two more days to do, (laughs) do it today. You can do it right now. And here's real talk. Real talk, some of you in this moment are going, ah, I'll start on January. I'll start in January. I'll really, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I want to do for the next couple of days. I've got, maybe I've even got a New Year's Eve thing that I'm going to do that are going to involve things that I know I'm not supposed to do. I'll start in January. See, God doesn't, it's almost, it's almost ridiculous to think that God would have all this waiting for us and us go, eh. Give me two more days. Who would never do that. That's like the billionaire showing up to your house going, ah, I'd rather keep those credit cards. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Why would we wait any longer than right now? It's our opportunity to really live out after Christmas in all of Christmas. Would you pray, pray with me? I'm going to ask you to stand. Ruth is just going to play. I'll be down front. Dustin's in the sound room, so he'll just be me down front. If you need to come and talk to me, and maybe you just need to come and pray and kind of get some things lined out. Maybe you just need to say, it's time to surrender. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time. 
I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to share with you about who this Jesus is and why he can radically change your life, why we do church to begin with. This is your opportunity. Maybe just in the stillness of this moment, you just need to ask for forgiveness. And you need to ask to start right now. Don't push this off. Don't wait any longer. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are, for this gift of Christmas, but Father, even more for the responsibility to us after Christmas that we would not in any way neglect or take for granted the grace that you've given us. Father, for the majority of us here, we need to say we're sorry. That we claim a faith that we're not willing to share. That we can think back through the last year and not one time did we share our faith with someone. Father, forgive us for that. That's, that's unacceptable in our own world, much less in your eyes. Father, help us be people who live in all of the grace that we've been given. And when we do that, Father, we share our stories. God, we're lucky. In, in the words of the Boston folks, we're lucky. Father, let us not take that for granted. In this moment, Father, we ask that you be real to us. Someone needs to come and ask questions or if they need to come and pray or if they just need to come and be prayed for. Father, this is, this is your moment to work in our hearts. Now let's not miss this next few moments. So we give you our undivided attention. It's in Jesus' name. I ask you to just keep your head down and your eyes closed. This is just a time for you. Hey, this is Matt Overall. I'm the pastor here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Just want to say thanks so much for watching our services, whether through our television ministry or our online ministry. We appreciate you so much being a part of Emmanuel Baptist Church, and we'd love to have you come and join our worship service. Uh, Sunday morning service starts at 10.30. Our small groups start at 9.30. And we'd love to have you be a part of it. We've got a lot of different ministries that happen at Emmanuel, from our children and youth that's focused on Wednesday nights to our uh, women's Bible studies that happen throughout the week. We'd love to have you be a part of everything that's going on here at Emmanuel. Thanks for watching.